This is Shaka Wartspeak. Hey, welcome to Shaka Wartspeak. I'm Gareth, alongside my always fabulous co-host, Ryan. And we are here this week with another fantastic artist. Another chance to look into uh, the things that kind of make them tick, the stuff that they go through as they uh, create their art, and also the stories that they have of how they got to where they are. So this week we have... Uh, somebody who is on show right now. We've got an exhibition um, currently at Shaco Art Space Studios of Amina Palmer. Um, I'm kind of at a loss as the best way to describe you because uh, if you've ever met Amina or seen her work, you know that you can't easily categorize her work into one space, uh, which is resist think, easy explanation. You can't. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, cannot do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So. Defies. Um, defies easy explanation. So it's not just me. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not just you. And I think that's a great thing, right? Because, um, you know, within universities and art programs, and even just if you're just practicing on your own, sometimes it just feels really comfortable to find that easy genre characterization and just live there. Um, But I think that what your uh, work shows, Amina, is that sometimes we can find really fun interesting creative spaces if we let those to be a little bit more fluid and not so much of a stringent wall between uh, those uh, different mediums that we use. So welcome, Amina. Thanks for coming on the podcast with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so really exciting. Um, I think so we uh, we've had some of your work up in an earlier show as part of a group exhibition. Um, and I know Ryan and I have been talking to you for a while about wanting to have a show here with us. Um, yeah. So uh, your solo exhibition is currently up, um, which has a collection of a range of work that you've done over the last, what, three, four years, some of it? Mm, yeah, three, four years. Yeah. So Fourth year gets into that album. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, like we'd like to do with all of the folks we bring on, let me just start at the beginning. So with what you do, how did you get your start into creative spaces, into the art you do. Where did it all begin? Uh, Well, I think getting back into thinking about it as art was probably in late middle school, like eighth grade into ninth grade, and I decided I wanted to try to take pictures wherever I could. So I I would just have my iPod touch a lot of the time, started a Flickr account as more of like a storage space. Shout out to Flickr. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a minute (laughs) since I've heard them. Yeah, that was also like a stranger space because it wasn't quite the same as Instagram, which mm-hmm. I was also on, but that was more curated, where for Flickr, for me, it was mostly for storage. Right. And to like <laughs> That's a great way to keep think about things Flickr. without having to look at them for too long, I guess, or mm-hmm. free up my eight gigabytes, which was <laughs> a struggle. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I grew up always wanting to make something, so whether it was like, drawing which was my first foray into art making as like a little kid and I think I stopped doing that because I got stuck at only being able to draw with lines at that point and then nothing looking realistic because of that to mm-hmm. me anyway so then I moved on to like um, music art so like playing violin in middle school and then getting back into photography is just like a fun thing to do moving between like a Fujifilm camera that was kind of frustrating to use because it wasn't quite as sharp as I wanted and seeing what other people could make with like professional cameras. So I was like, okay, iPod touch, we're going to make this work and like break open uh, disposable cameras for macro lenses and such. (laughs) That was always really fun to do. Um, And then going into high school, 
I just stuck with the daily practice sort of stuff and got into a photojournalism seminar because our high school had to do seminars or mentorships. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, wanted to do the class because I knew we had to do presentations at the end of the year, not catching me doing one of those by myself. So (laughs) (laughs) uh, I chose photojournalism, had a great uh, teacher, Miss Stinnett, um, and great classmates. None of us were really like documentary photographers necessarily, but I think we learned a lot out of trying to shoot that way and doing a couple of different projects in that like uh, language. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, it's interesting. You said you were, you were breaking open disposable cameras so that you could get the lenses out to mm-hmm. use with your, your iPod touch. Yeah. I think that was after seeing, <laughs> seeing those like $40 lenses that they made for phones. Mm-hmm. Never felt like spending money on that. Even if I had $40 at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, okay, well how can I do that? And I think I looked it up or, Maybe saw like a DIY on Pinterest because I've also been on Pinterest for years. So mm-hmm. just uh, figuring out how to make things work for what you want to do always. Well, not always, but tends to have good results. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I, well, one thing that strikes me in, in that is like a uh, pers- there's like some kind of tenacity and curiosity together there, it sounds like. Um, and so was that is that was that encouraged in you like did did um like was that reinforced from family from friends was there other examples you were looking at um Mm -hmm. was it kind of like uniquely you just kind of like filling it through i feel like it was self-driven but definitely uh my family are are fans of mine for sure so whenever Mm -hmm. i was showing them what i was working on or what i'd tried they'd always say it was cool so then i'd feel uh just propelled to keep trying things and figuring out how to make what I wanted to be making. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're saying that. So when you're, when you're like breaking open these cameras about what, what age was that? Mm, 14 or 15. Yeah. And it's amazing because I feel like that's the same. It, it seemed to be kind of the, the mentality you had was to kind of, Oh, this thing isn't working out of the box. So let me, let me break it and try again. Um, do you feel like that's kind of a general characteristic that you've, I don't know, been cognizant of growing up, moving um, into your art, establishing yourself? I think I just end up going for what I like, but then I'm also very much a rule follower. So it always surprises me in the end of like what I did to get to what I got to, if that makes any sense. No, it does. I think because, uh, you know, the... Like I'll I'll try it the like ways we're supposed to be doing something. And then if it doesn't have the effect that I wanted to see, I'll try something else. And then if that worked better, then I might tell people how I got to it. But otherwise, well, I had an early professor uh, who taught writing and they were very much about, uh, they taught creative writing, but they were about following the rules. So everything we learned felt like the least creative process possible (laughs) because it was so prescriptive, (laughs) Right. Right. But what they said was, if you don't know these rules, then you can't break them effectively. And we've, we've heard that cliche over and over, right? Yeah. Like, we, we hear that, but I think that might be might be part of it, right? That um, it's not, I don't know, it's just weird because I hear you say you're a rule follower. And, like, I get that from being around you. Like, you're definitely not somebody who's just, like, you know, I don't know, setting cars on fire or something. But um, in your art, it feels like you're very much pushing boundaries and spaces uh, to, I guess, just get to the place you want to get. Um, so then that begs the question of 
what does your process look like where that actually, like, how do you know what you're trying to get at in your process? Like, where do those ideas come in? Uh, well, I say I probably absorb a lot just visually. So seeing different materials out in the world or seeing someone else work in a way where I'm like, oh, I could probably do something like that, but I'd probably change this and this and that it would, in my head it would fit my style and the things I like to look at and work with. Or even if it's something new, I, t- I didn't have a list for quite a bit and just like see if I can check anything off for like new projects. Um, that's kind of how my thesis started. Cause I was like, I want to do 3d, but then we're coming from photo. How do I make it work for a photo program and not hear like annoying stuff from classmates? <laughs> yeah. So, so in a way you're looking at the cons- sort of the, this, the normalized assumptions of a, of the particular photo program you're coming from, like whatever is most generally the expected conversation. And then you're saying, how do I how do I use that almost as like a, a creative constraint? Like how can I jump into a three-dimensional work while still being able to answer to the rules, if you will, mm-hmm. these like, or these, these principles that are sort of statedly uh, present or they're almost like atmospheric principles. It's like assumed in the atmosphere of the space and what your peers may or may not say, Hey, you know, like you're like, that's not, you know, I don't know. You're making, you're just straight making sculpture and we're a photography program or something. I don't know, but I think because also because my year, I think as we went along, we all kind of found our own niches. Mm -hmm. So some people were in the dark room doing experimental processes. Other people were like a couple of people did portraits, but they also had more of a formed uh, style than they did when we were looking back at like sophomore year specifically, Mm -hmm. which is when I was probably the most frustrated Mm. in that I wasn't shooting people. I didn't really know how I didn't quite have an interest in it, but for classes when it came up, I did try and ended up liking mm-hmm. trying those things Yeah, and um, making my own version of that. Yeah. I love, I mean, I'm biased. I, I really just was a, you know, we all teach at VCU and I, I really respect the photo department. I think they're doing a lot of things. Well, mm-hmm. um, like, and I, I got to, I was invited, I think three or four years within like a five year span as like a portfolio reviewer for final portfolio, you know, a thesis review for um, BFA students. So I got to see like the changes that were happening there and the value shifts. And um, yeah, I really responded to your work as I was seeing it after having you as a student, like seeing how you were approaching things and kind of finding this liminal spot, this in-between space that really isn't an in-between space. It's just a space that uh, perhaps people weren't noticing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it's the way in which you're bringing it, bringing it to bear uh, visually. And um, it makes me think of, you know, of you as like a somewhat quiet observer, but who is intensely observing. And so I like, you know, and I hear, I, I, I imagine it's the same intensity that would make you take apart a camera and figure out, figure that out. Like a lot of people would just go buy a camera or wait, they would spend the money because there's an economy to ease that they ebb towards, but you're ebbing the other direction to the tactile, the taking it apart. It's just really interesting. Um, but yeah, like there's something about your work that is so exact. It's not ambiguous, I guess is the, it can be easily called that, but it's not, you know? Um, yeah. You only get there if you're just casual with it. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah, if you're like yeah. just, you know, writing it off because, Oh, I've looked at it for two seconds. That's just, 
I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the easy viewer gets to that space. Right. And there's a consistency to it, you know? Um, so how, how was that work received as you started to work out kind of what you're most primarily known for? How, 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 what was your cultural experience like with that work, with you making the work you're making? Uh, I definitely had to work past the, well, this is what you always do. Why are you doing this kind of thing? But I think in my junior year concepts class, which was for our year, they tried to make it specifically like to lead up into your thesis project. So I think that helped a lot because that was actually like the first version of the decode project as I was thinking of it, including the E in the beginning of the word. Um, And that was mostly a way for me to translate the images I'm taking into like verbal language. So that was where one of the banners came from with the image on one side and keywords on the other, because honestly, that's how I'm seeing things. It's just like, oh, I like this, this, and this one other aspect of the scene that I'm seeing, because I'm not like adding anything to the photos necessarily, Mm -hmm. just capturing what I'm seeing in that space at that particular angle on that day. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you think of it as documentary that you're documenting, like in that sense? Do you, I mean, would you like align with that kind of, like, would you, I mean, because I don't think you see it and think that, but would you say that, that that's, that, that's suitable, that you're kind of like. I think when I'm writing artist statements, <laughs> I have to think about it in like, oh, okay, well, who else is working in ways that I can see elements in my own work? So like mm-hmm. documentary, still life, pop art, um, mixing all those things into like all the things I like looking at into what I'm making in a way to be able to see um, where my work kind of falls. Yeah. That's really, so, you know, I'm mostly a painter. You know, I do a lot of things, but I'm a painter and I, I, I biasly can't help but see your work through a, a painting lens a little bit. What I like about what you said that kind of makes my head buzz or get excited is like when you say, po- like you said, um, still life, um, documentary, film photography like what what what, there's another category you said the pop art pop art yeah so those are like almost like it's like putting three lenses together Mm -hmm. those lenses together to make a a new lens that's also how I like working and learning because like right now I'm doing a lot of digital drawing and through that I'm learning I think I'm teaching myself like how to see in different mediums a bit better so I can see like in a way how illustrators and people who draw often can pick up on those small details, but I'm doing it in my own way where I'm coming from photos and like picking the colors. And since it's digital, I can like use the eyedropper and make it as, as perfect as I feel like going in that like two to four hours. I'm never timing myself. So it's just like whatever ends up happening. I tend to draw until I finish whatever piece I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So when you went to, when you went, once you went into you went to VCU, like what, um, what was your experience like? If you you know, I know that's a big question, but <laughs> what what are some things like? Because you're coming out of that process, you know, you're fresh. Like you had expectations coming in when you were like in high school. Mm-hmm. You come through, and then you know, COVID hits. Senior show doesn't happen the way you hope for, right? <laughs> yeah. But then it happens here. Um, it's a great show, um, and uh, you're like you know also staring down a, a future. So what? So in that space of school um some takeaways any thoughts no pressure i mean you know (laughs) i know we we work there but (laughs) Uh, well i tried to 
take in all that I could, whether it was like what professors are making, what classmates were making, the visiting artists. Um, occasionally, I got got a lot out of them. I tried to go to the different departments visiting artists because not always was the photo stuff wasn't always what I was looking at, especially for like uh, hearing a portrait artist speak. Sometimes it was a little bit. Mm, <laughs> just stuff I wouldn't find that interesting, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like narrative work in a way where I get a bit lost because I don't think in in like stories, at least not in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I might see them afterward, but I don't think I think that way. Interesting. So I think a lot of school and for me was like translating <laughs> from one language to another of like, okay, well they said this so I can work with it in this way. Mm-hmm. Or like, I always had notes for all of the talks and stuff, so I I don't think I ever looked back at any of them yet, but I have them if I need them for, like, how they got past certain barriers that they were finding in their own work and making their work, as well as, like, their own influences. So I think looking at influences helped a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who are some of the people that you look at? Is there anybody that just off the, off the dome that you're like, that, this person? Hmm... I don't, I don't really know specific people off the top of my head, maybe, because I, I think more in, like, styles, gotcha. or, I don't know, the first, I, I don't know, my head's very visual, so I'm just like, okay, well, here's one style over here, and then, like, uh, I feel like I see, like, a Pinterest board in my mind, almost, or, like, a mood board sort of thing, whenever I'm sense. thinking of, like, all the influences and inspirational work i've been seeing mm-hmm. that's interesting no i mean, I mean like it's i like, can't pick things apart. no no yeah no i'm i um <laughs> i tend to not i tend to be larger category inspired rather than necessarily particular although i do have my like historic favorites but like right this second if you ask me it's more like whole zones mm. and a lot of times i geek out more on what i see out here and then that informs the way i want to make things so I think I kind of get it. I think what I'm, I'm kind of tripping out on, I don't know what you think, Gareth, is like your, your reference categories are very like contemporary in a really sincere and honest way to like the making. And I, I find that like really interesting. And like, it's also subliminal because I'm trying, I don't try not to like look at anyone else's work while I'm working. Yeah. So that's, it's also just like tucked away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tucked away to get in the mood to make things more so than looking at something and being like, oh, I'm going to make that because someone else already made it. So what's, what's yeah. the point? <laughs> is your, is your, that's, I mean, that's, that hits me in the gut. That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks, <Elmer. laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> is your, is your, uh, I got to know, is your mood space, is it quiet? Like if you're like, when you're working, is it a, is it music? Is it no music? What's, what's your mood space? What's your ideal head externalized space for making? Uh, probably like four different playlists, <laughs> just depending on like the time of day. <laughs> um, also since like I was in school, I was also just working in my room a lot. So mm. I'd be like, okay, what can I watch <laughs> while making stuff? Like something, one in English, so I don't need subtitles. Two, probably seen it before or it doesn't really matter that much to me that I don't feel like I have to pay attention to it. Um, something that won't make my laptop crash. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. yeah. Can't have too much going at the same time. That is so real. No, I, I man, I resonate with that so much, Amino, because when I'm doing design work, that's that's pretty much my criteria as well. It's got to be in English, so I don't have to read anything. Um, it's something I've got. I've seen before. It's got to be something that uh, you know isn't going to distract me. But um, I find that I I need that. Like I do not work well in quiet environments. So in undergrad, I would go and study at the library. And for a while, I tried to go and do some design work at the library. And I found out that it was just a complete waste of time because it was so quiet in there mm. that I would have to go find somewhere else to be or I'd find something to do. And I just get so distracted from everything that I couldn't focus. I get um, distracted by other people for sure. Yeah. Cause like I like quiet and I like being in my own space, but I also don't enjoy when people are up and moving around me. Or just being loud in the other corner, like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, it, it, during the middle of the day, I'll have, like, the blinds closed in my room as I'm doing work because I just will inadvertently kind of drift to the window mm. and just watch. I need the light. Luckily, my windows face a wall, so. That's, yeah, it's <laughs> good. You get light in a wall. It's, like, the perfect combination. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, Walls. Weirdly informs the, your, I feel like that informs your work. Yeah. Like a window with light and a wall. There's something there. There's there's some there's some key ingredients there. I've like definitely taken the same picture multiple times just looking out of my window at the wall next door. <laughs> See, I think I think that's the you know, so here's something I've I've seen over the years from I think really people that end up being really good makers, like really good in their lane, what they do and why they do it, and they're still doing it. And one of the hallmarks of that is repetition. Like they often are picked at by other students for doing this, the, the quote unquote, the same thing. And what's amazing is they're the ones that end up almost always being the people that are still doing stuff. And yeah. I've been around long enough as a professor to see that. And, um, and I, and I wonder about that critique as like, uh, if that critique is really like soup. Okay. So how do I say this? Superficial change affords superficial responses that feel different all the time if you let it. Meaning a, a group of people can keep critiquing and they go, oh, well, it's different. So then I made a different comment and we're, we're dealing at a rate of change that's like surface level, possibly, mm-hmm. possibly, not all the time. But when there's persistence in a vision, then you have to be able to persist into the vision, which demands something of you as the critiquer. And oftentimes people are not willing to give that because they may not know how to. And so instead, they'll say, you just keep doing the same thing. And it, what they're really saying is, I don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. It's like, I've already given you my one comment yeah. on the thing that was... Can't you do this. something different? So can you do something else so I can <laughs> use that same comment again? Yeah, so I could say, or I could say something new, but really yeah. the same, you know. Yeah. I get that too. I'm like, okay, I'm choosing the first day of critique so you guys aren't tired. <laughs> but like, I'm making something different even if you can't really tell it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah or even right. if it's the same subjects necessarily, they're definitely in a different spot. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's nuance and variation, but you have to have eyes to see it, you know? And I, I think that's part of the byproduct of you being, uh, you know, what I imagine, I think Gareth agrees, like an intense observer of things. Mm-hmm. Like you're actually really paying attention. And so you're seeing uh, in high def what other people are seeing in dull def. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like their eyes are dulled out and they're, they're looking in dull definition. And, like, and so they're, your, your field of vision is greater in that sense. Therefore, there's yeah. more information there. And, and I think that's the power of the power of the work that you make is I think, uh, the work you make ennobles, um, 
the world we find ourselves in in many ways and the cultural production of other kinds of people that maybe are painting a building or like there's a, a intersection of actions that have come together to create a, a scene or situation that you experience in that moment as such. And, um, and so there's an ennobling through, which is why I liked you talking about still life and like the whole history of still life painting and even portrait painting actually and the and paint as this esteemer of the subject itself. I think you're doing that and doing that in a hybridized way. So it, it feels sort of um, legacy extending. Um, it's contemporary. It's totally unto itself in that sense. And by being that, it tends to then extend a legacy of that, like that which art does for people, which is it, it does, you know, I would say it humanizes, but it ennobles in, in or it, it highlights or um, so you could put it another way. I, I, I would put it in a goofy category. I could maybe make that like this is just for thinking. I think it's interesting, you know the same reason why like someone like Van Gogh did was doing potato eaters and like painting shoes. Like at the time, like he was taking this lens and turning it on that, which was not ennobled or esteemed or affirmed. And he was using the, like the tramp, the visual transportability of paint to bring people into that relationship to say, there's something there you're not noticing. And in that way, you know, it's a weird, I mean, I'm not really saying it's a strong link, but I do see that kind of reality in your work, um, which then raises questions when you go like the show is called from one thing to another to another. And then you start messing with with those like those moments, if you will. Um, what's going on? What's going on with that? Like, you know, when, when it's moving from like uh, a print, uh, an image to a 3D print to like these other images that are really compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that. And I think what also like stands out in the show itself is like my bag book made of objects that I collected because I liked the design of them, as well as the giant like four by six foot banner yeah. of like a still life I created <laughs> with like a hundred <laughs> bags that I still have a bunch of. <laughs> um, just like make noticing the art that's all around us, art and design are everywhere, obviously, but so much of it is glossed over or we limit it to how we're seeing that object in that location. So like right now I'm also drawing like food items and like housewares and stuff and like paying attention to the labels. And it's been really fun, like zooming in all all of that. And I think that relates a lot to how I photograph by being typically pretty close to where you're not really, well, I know exactly where everything is taken, but like, I don't think anyone else would necessarily know that this one's taken um, in this alleyway in between these two other streets um, that I walk past like every day that I decide to go out of the house. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think relating all the work to each other, um, some of some of the pieces actually were from my thesis and that was called translations because I was thinking about going between uh, 2D, th- 2D photos and 3D objects, um, calling them 3D photos as well. Um, and also, like, the banners are the in-between state, and that was an effort to have the transliteration or the, the like, the sounding out of one language into the other one so that you can kind of hang on to what you might think the photo is and then, like, double-check it if you really want to. Um, as far as, like, the my, like, vernacular photographs 
like my I think it, I call it my um my like base language or default mode is taking the everyday snapshot photos of like things I see when I'm out on walks or on my way somewhere that's been also a challenge during COVID I'm yeah. not going anywhere yeah. so I have to like make a point to go out to see new things everything's everything is always changing mm-hmm. so even day to day there's probably a new picture for me <laughs> that I haven't seen yet yeah 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 yeah, yeah the I, I think you know when you look at the subject matter that you shoot I think what makes it so interesting um is that uh, some of it is things that um people very much want you to notice but not see Right. So like a uh, traffic cone, for example, make sure you notice this because it is supposed to make you act a certain way or drive a certain way. Um, but don't take too much notice of it. Yeah. It's not like a landmark. but Right. Yeah. And then like uh, <laughs> other things, uh, like some of the more compelling images uh, that I've seen you post, especially on like on Instagram are like um, dents in people's cars. Like I've really, <laughs> really enjoyed those, you know, because those are the things that like you're really just trying to hide. And here you come. Trying, you're making fine art pieces out of somebody's like. I've taken know. some while they're in the car, so that was really funny too. I didn't notice this. It's like some, yeah, it's like some weird action. I mean, it's like yeah, it's like action painting. You know, well, back in the day, it was like capturing the action, but this is like completely. It's like out of your control. It's like an action that is unintended that happens, and then there's an evidence of it, and then you're framing the evidence of it. Well, it also feels, in some ways, it, it feels similar to something like figure drawing when I look at those images because the contours, the shapes, the light, the quality, like you don't get that. Like everything in, in the design of a car, I think is to, is to very much normalize those movements, those lines. Right. And it's, there's no, there's no interest yeah, in, no, a, in a modern car, right. There's nothing that's like, Oh, this stands out. But, but once you take that photo, like now I actually want to look at these things mm-hmm. because there is a different way that light hits it, that it reflects light. You can take a gray car and now you've pulled out like five colors from that because the light actually hits it in interesting ways. Um, And it's those vignettes that we always are constantly like running past in our day. And so there's a nice like uh, conscientiousness, a slowdown that happens Mm -hmm. in those moments that I think is it's just wonderful to kind of sit with um, most of all. But what I mean, is this image capture? is Is it happening quickly? Are you doing loads of images is there a single shot like what does what does your process look like when you find these scenes that you want to really capture uh I think I'm a bit stubborn than that I want it to be the shot in like one or two pictures and then mm-hmm. I do crop later but I don't do much editing after that so I'll I'll work with it until the lighting is right but past that I try to do like one or two shots and move on because typically <laughs> if I have the energy that day and want to walk all over with nowhere really to go at this point it would be like maybe 50 to 100 is low for me mm-hmm. i prefer to have like 300 so that i <laughs> i can have something to work with for a bit um and then in terms of like walking around and taking the photos i think that um i was actually talking to a friend about how it's kind of like when you're on the highway and you're looking at all the like signs and like um, I, I also like looking for deer, even like never see them cause we're going so fast, mm-hmm. but like looking for signs and deer and like stuff on the side of the road. And when you, um, 
when you're like watching things and you turn your head at the same time, then it kind of slows down. Yeah. That's not the best time to try to take a picture because obviously it's not slow enough. But I think that's how I'm also, I also am when I'm walking around where I'm going a consistent speed. I'm not really slowing down to look, but whatever I do see, I can capture it because I'm not in a moving vehicle. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like moments to slow down and then they do change every once in a while going between like day to day or if someone else moves something. I also like to think of my work as like, still lives arranged by someone else or like mm. the wind <laughs> arranged by someone or something else. So it's like a really interesting um, selflessness. It sounds like in the way you think about your work. I mean, like you're, you're readily willing to give a lot of credence to these external states of affairs that you didn't like create or intervene with necessarily. So how, how is, how, how does that strike you? Like, do you think of yourself that way? And it, it like, like that, like, are you, are you seeing it as like that you're removed from the process from the work itself? Or do you see yourself as tied closely to the work in that way? Uh, I definitely see myself as like the one capturing it and choosing to share it. Mm-hmm. So like pointing, pointing at that spot rather than being the one to arrange things by hand one because right. I don't like touching anything so I, I don't want to touch anything that's outside but uh, just like pointing at that moment um, one keeping it for myself but then also if I choose to share it then it can be seen in either by itself or in a collection of either similar moments or other I also like to think of a lot of my work as being funny I'm not sure if everyone else can see the jokes but <laughs> I definitely see some of them that way mm-hmm so it's like uh, one-liners. Interesting one-liners, yeah. Yeah. So talk talk more about that. That's really interesting because um, um, I've heard you talk before about like the humor in your images. And can you kind of break that down a little bit? Like how do you, like how do you even approach that? Like, do you just find something that catches you as like kind of joyful and humorous, or do you like to paint things in that light that you find? Um, I think it's it's an effort of both because I, I have days where I, I'm not seeing much or I'm seeing a lot less that day for some reason, either whether like whether it's the, the lighting being like too blue and wintry, which I'm not looking forward to. Uh, <laughs> Same. Uh, like if I'm in a rush and I need to and I'm on my way somewhere wanting to be early and in my case, that's on time. Uh, so <laughs> it's like thinking about it that way. But uh, most of the situations, I tend to find them funny just because so much of the world is, um, they're, they're man-made structures, but they're made by machines, so they're supposed to be, like, perfect, like, house siding that has the, the gaps in between, and you can see the layer. I find that moment always pretty, like, interesting, because it's, they could have chosen a piece that went all the way across, but they have that, like, break in, in the middle, or uh, for, like, someone who ran into a pole and then their car has a, a dent in it. That car <laughs> was round before, but now it goes inward. And the colors can change based on the lighting. And also, I don't know, sometimes there's just holes and stuff. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, uh, brick walls that are, like, half-painted. Or the layers are coming off. Or just different moments like that. 
I tend to go for also neater looking spaces, I notice. Because, like, some stuff, um, I feel like, I feel like when I'm taking the picture sometimes or looking at it afterward that you're kind of touching it. So then some things I leave alone because I don't want to touch that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the way you're experiencing the real world as you're taking the photos, like actually bleeds into the later parts of your process. Yeah, I definitely think so. It's like some stuff I'll like keep for myself. So like, I have this photo, but I don't want to put that anywhere because it looks gross. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll keep it. You're like, I'm going to keep this though. Yeah. Like, like, um, slides in the lab or something. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. So, so is the work, is, is your practice also like it, it okay so how, I'm trying it feels like you're you're when you're when I hear you talking it's like the practice is a way for you to know the world in a way that is like comfortable or works for you but keeps you safe from certain sensory experiences I, I think know. so for sure because also when I'm photographing I think of it as mapping too because when I'm, t- when I'm taking the pictures, one, I know I've taken it because I, I now know that I've taken a photo at that spot. And pr- unless I need to retake it, then I don't really need to need to remember it, but I probably will. Mm. And then um, taking pictures is also a great way for me to like not have to pay attention to all the people around me. <laughs> <laughs> I say as I want to move to New York, just mostly for photos, but like also... Uh, to tune most of the people out kind of thing. <laughs> You're going to tune people out in New York? Well, I guess New York is... Because yeah. like, I, I walk fast anyway, so I think when, I take, when I'm taking pictures, one, I'm choosing to stop to like pause that pace I was at mm-hmm. and then some move, waiting for people to move out of the way if they're, if they're walking as well. Um, or if I'm, wa- if I'm walking with friends, hopefully they'll like know by then to just keep walking because I'll catch up pretty easily. Um, I don't know. A lot of a lot of the way I work is just spur of the moment. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and you know, that's interesting, I think, because you said earlier something about you, like, kind of prepare the mood space or something for the work, right? You, like, you prepare yourself to be able to be in a position of doing the work rather than... So it's almost like there's a... There's a, a, a feeling or a space that you're crafting that the work emerges from instead of creating a work that uh, that creates that space for. Does that make sense? Um, almost like uh, your work grows from the space you build, whether that's the mood or the lighting, the location, whatever it may be, um, instead of trying to build something out of your work. Does that, does that make sense? I think so, because like the, the photos specifically are very much as they are because I'm not really adding to them afterward or like doing any crazy editing. Um, they're just their own snapshot. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and I think, you know, one thing that we've talked about, um, earlier is with this idea of kind of putting together, um, and trying to make something be what you want it to be, making it work the way you want it to work. Um, We've had conversations in the past about uh, your practice, but also as you're viewing your future. And it sounds like the way that you look at your art making is also the way that you look at life in some ways and the way that you want to develop as an artist and other things. 
Um, cause I think we had one conversation one time uh, a few years back where you said, yeah, so, uh, I want to kind of grow in this way. So here's what I'm going to start doing. And I, and it struck me because I was like, that's such a, that's such an interesting way to go about approaching the things that you need. Um, so do you feel like the, your art practice in some ways feels very much like kind of your life practice? Like, do they mirror each other? I think so. Cause, uh, coming from a photo background now, I want to go into design <laughs> Just like uh, absorb all of it so that I can work with it at the same time in a way where I feel more like I know what I'm doing mm-hmm. rather than just experimenting and hoping it works. Yeah. So that's interesting. So for, so for you, design sets up the possibility of having feeling or having a, a better idea of knowing what you're doing. Definitely that's- for like learning the learning the things I feel like you need to know. So that it's not just like an interest, because yeah, that's that's yeah, how I'd have yeah. been in, like describing it for a while of like my interests and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But I want it to be like my knowledge and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I mean I do think this is just my my take. I do think there are shifts from interest can have like can have purpose. You can have purpose and interest, but I think to move past interest and can include interest, but can become like more largely purposed. And because there's like purpose, then there's demands on how or why become more vivid to, to a person who's designing something like whatever stimulates that, whether it's working with someone else or your own determination. Um, it's like enlarging the practice and the sort of the, the, the mindset or the state of mind of the practice. Are you, are you thinking about going into grad school or? Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's, what, what's your thought process in that? I mean, we're catching at an interesting time because, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing then you might be applying soon or, yeah. I'm trying to look at programs that have uh, more of an open mindset in what they're expecting candidates to be making and who would be in those programs is also important because I, I want to do more collaborative work. And it's also just great and rewarding to be around people who are making in different ways. Because one, you feel a bit more like you fit, even though no one's really fitting kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you get to try out new things based on what you can see around you and like what's possible Mm -hmm. opens up a lot. Yeah, when I did my MA, it was a program that's just called Studio Art. I did my MA in Studio Art and Critical Theory, and then I did my MFA in Painting and and Printmaking at VCU. But my MA, like, it was nice because, I mean, I had... Photographers, sculptors, painters, performance artists, like some people that were really hybridized, like one semester they were making like painting and sculpture and audio. And then like it was photography and like these weird app, like, and so, but all of that was happening. We were all together. And so we, we felt together, but we were doing what we do. And, and I think in some ways I prefer, I prefer that to like, I don't know. I wanted, I thought, I romanticized the idea of being around a bunch of painters. I didn't get what I hoped for when I came here. But, um, so I, I really think there's something to what you're saying. Like, I would, my personal feeling is like, I would, um, your work's already ebbing that direction. I would definitely try to find a place that has that eclectic, that larger focus because the stimulation and like the inspiration and the conversations even are richer because they're not like monotone or, to one, to one interest, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, Ryan, you say a lot uh, that we, we don't know what we don't know. 
and I think, you know, coming from an interdisciplinary graduate program as well, the, uh, the ways that I went about getting to the work I was doing, in some ways it didn't, my research interest didn't really change you know, over about four or five years. Um, but the people around me did have a massive impact on it because they were making it different ways. So within this program, there was a lawyer, there was a broadcast journalist, there was an uh, art director. Um, let's see, we had an actor. I mean, it was like you had all these spaces and they were working on creative projects and doing creative research in different ways. Um, and because of what they brought to the table and the fact that they had a passion for whatever they were making, there was always a space of creative energy um, where sometimes you can get into a room with 20 graphic designers and only three of them have any energy. You know, they're only really kind of doing stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so the the majority of the room is going to kind of pull down that that desire to be making in that way. There's going to be a passion that kind of gets lost uh, in the <laughs> in the malaise that's just kind of there. Mm -hmm. um, so I yeah I, I I echo the same sentiments. Like if you can find a place where those folks are actually whatever they're doing, or they're at actually least interested. if you're in, or in, in yeah like if not at least you're in a city where it's happening. Yeah. So I mean that's always why New York's a draw, you know. But COVID is changing New York. I, I don't know. You know, like I'm. I, it's going to be really interesting to see how long we deal with this for. And I'm interest is like a hopeful word. It's a bummer. Um, it's what it is. It's worse than a bummer. Um, but you know, like what happens to institutions, higher education, mm -hmm. like uh, cities that are sort of power centers for creativity. Like a lot of restaurants are going away. Like a lot of things are happening, and there's a a demographic shift that I keep, I, I, I believe we're going to continue to see as the months wear on that may not come back the same way. And that will have an effect on, on, uh, um, different institutions and what their resources are, you know, who's teaching there. Like that stuff's going to have a ripple effect for sure. It definitely is. Cause I know that, I mean, it, it, I almost have these like, um, hangovers after coming back from New York where I love you. I love New York. <clears throat> yeah. It's just like, I, I leave the city and then like for the next four or five days, like it's hard to sleep because there is, it's just, there's so much creative energy mm -hmm. in this space and there's so much going on. And everywhere you look is another vignette. Like there's no dead spots. So I've only you, been there for like a day or two at a time. And <laughs> I definitely can't like turn my brain off oh, the whole no time way. you're there. And, and then when you get home, you're just so tired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean it's so much, and it, it really doesn't matter. It's museum fatigue in the city itself, as it's so much. Also, like there's crazy places, man, where you stand and you can't see the sky really unless you look directly up, mm -hmm. and so then your field of vision is transformed into it's so different than like being out in open space. It, yeah, and, and I've always every, been inspired by cities. Every space is activated, right? Yeah. And and having been in tons of cities, it, there, there's a uniqueness about that space where every space really is activated in different spots. It's crammed together. It's shoved on a tiny island. It's what it is. But, um, yeah, it's it's an amazing place. Uh, so so hear all of this with just a twinge of jealousy in my voice, Amina, that you're you're looking at uh, some schools in New are, York. So the schools are in New York. Do you care to tell us what schools they are? Or it's okay. You don't have to. Well, I think I'm being pretty brave. And, like, I went, I went through my, like, spreadsheet of, like, all the programs I was looking at. And then I was, like, my top two programs are at the same school, so I was, I'm looking at Parsons. Okay. And then the top program I want to do is design and technology, just because it, it sounds so open, and I went to, the, like, the info session. And it definitely sounds like a place where I could make what I want to make while also, like, learning to 
like critically think and make research based work at the same time. I just think you I just think you got yourself accepted to Parsons just based on what you said right there. If I'm listening and I'm from Parsons, I'm yeah. like, yeah, we want you here. Great, Definitely. I'm gonna transcribe that into the statement. Yeah, you just did. <laughs> you just said, Why do I want to go to Parsons? Here's why. You just did it. Like I, I would accept you in. Done. Cool. Cause I, I don't really work. have ideas of like, oh, I want to make this specific work yet. and that's also like one of the reasons why it's intimidating to apply. But sure. I'm working towards where it's less so and doing like the portfolio reviews and stuff beforehand. Yeah. So, that, so yeah, I mean that whole process too. like try to get them to give you money. Oh you, yes. You have more leverage than you know. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know they have that leverage and I was advised heavily. And so when I applied to grad schools, I applied to like, I always say it's with the top 10 and, but I was really, really coached on this part. And because my my mentality, especially at the time, was very passive, so I would never, I'd be too intimidated to be like, no, I need I need money. But because it was grilled into my brain, I did it in spite of myself, and it paid. It mattered. Let's just say that it worked out. Um, and so, you know, in a very diplomatic and sort of like proper way, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was told by like a real like old head professor when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do after undergrad. And he, uh, he pulled me aside and he said, the rule of thumb that I've always gone by is you should pay for undergrad and you should never pay for grad school. And he's like, go to the place where you don't have to pay for it because they understand the, the connection between you and their school and why it's important and the money will follow. Mm -hmm. Um, no, that was easier to say 15 years ago. <laughs> um, we haven't. Yeah, things have changed. Yeah, things but have changed yeah, a little bit. Still, Stuff was a little less expensive. But I do think there's some still some merit to that. There definitely is. Yeah. So uh, along those lines, like as you so you, you graduated from VCU and you've had some time just kind of kicking it, not as a student, and it's that kind of strange waking up period. I think we all kind of go through where, you know, some things are not as awesome as we thought, and some things are much more awesome than we thought. And now you've got this kind of in-between space before you want to start grad school. So what has been your process? Uh, how have you kind of kept up with your, with your practice, your art practice? How have you been preparing for grad school? Like what, what have you been doing? Like how have you been structuring the time? Because I've got a feeling that from everything you've said that you've probably had some very specific things that you have been wanting to do or, or working towards. Uh, well, one one of the things I, I have I have on my list and I have made like a notion template for is like figuring out what to do with the gallery space I made for my thesis project and trying to at least think of ways where I can revive it since it's virtual and I can make it work from anywhere. I think that also helped a lot because I don't have to think about, oh, I'd need exhibition space to be able to do anything. So I think I'll, I'll work on like figuring out different avenues of how it can be alive again past just the one project. And um, I think I still do my like daily photo practice whenever I go out as well as um, I started drawing because I got an iPad. Because <laughs> I was like, I want to learn this. I will use it. I, it's, it's worth the money if I use it. So um, learning that way, coming from a photo background, I was already familiar with like layers and how to like edit and mask things but also working in this way is helping me think about photography a bit differently in that I can see 
how these mediums like borrow from each other and especially since it's like digital drawing I really enjoy the technical aspect where well not technical but technological I guess where you can like hold to make straight lines Mm -hmm. because I need those as well as like editing shapes and like the undo buttons (laughs) really enjoy those um just like keeping up with making something even though like the drawings I've been doing aren't necessarily a project that I thought of going in but at this point I've made so many that it could easily be a project or like a finished work or set of works by Mm. the end of it though I'm trying to think of it as like journal entries in a way where it's like a daily practice so of course I'll have a lot of those so like in the book in the show um and like you just said photo journal like a journal entry. Um, there's a kind of private intimacy, you know, private as in proximity, close, intimate space in that kind of way. Um, is that is that something that um, challenges your, your work in terms of when you determine to bring something into a more public sphere? I mean, do you think about that much? Is that relevant in your, your process when you're moving from a kind of a journal-like intimacy. I, I'm assuming journal intimacy. I'm not saying that has to be that way. I mean, it's just a thought that comes into my mind regarding um, the way some of because because some of the the pieces the pieces do feel somewhat private or intimate in the, the way in which they disclose themselves to a viewer. There, like some of the work feels like it's, it's you in that spot, you know, as the viewer even. And so, like, it means that it ha- in some ways you made that choice. That's coming from somewhere. And so I'm just wondering, like, sometimes because that's so important, I find, like, I used to take a lot of photographs. And I used to photograph a lot of um, painted over, like, billboards and walls, that kind of thing. Like, just living in Sacramento. And it was, like, stimulation for painting. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to show people. Oh, well. You know. I don't mind showing people because it's the the stuff I'm making is what I find fun. So I'm like, if they if they like it enough to also think it's fun, then I'd probably show them. And then if they thought it was just like, oh, well, what's that? I'd, I'd probably just keep showing them anyway. Maybe like <laughs> un- unlock that so that next time they see a photo when we're when I'm, I like to play with my uncle, of like, um, what is this? Like, what does he think the thing is? Usually it's it's not quite right, but you know, yeah, <laughs> it's because yeah, yeah. I was Dude, so that's like good for you. closer like, angled. But yeah, it makes it more fun because if I can help someone else like see like oh that weird thing I'm gonna took a picture of is it looks like that thing over there was that the same thing then that's like uh, just a experience that you can have looking at artwork. Yeah, yeah, that's actually pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, well, you were you're talking about your daily photo practice. Um, now, when I hear that, um, it kind of stands out because um, I feel like it's few artists that either have the time or the discipline to kind of make it a daily practice. They're like, you know, I get around to it every week or I have my specific times. But when when did you, like, how did you and when did you kind of instill like a daily practice? Like, was it was it for a reason or is it just kind of came up organically? Like, where did that come from? I think it just came up organically, like, trying to get all the photos I can <laughs> before the sun sets kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, like, being able to look at them later, I think of myself as a collector, which you can kind of see in that album out there where 
just like uh, sequencing things later and just like playing around with like, oh, this looks kind of good with that one over there and just like collecting over time. Mm. It's fun for me. And, and I think that's, you know, something else because this is like the, I don't know, fourth or fifth time that you've been th- mentioned either something about like the work makes you happy or you enjoy it or you have fun with it. Um, how much does that play a part in your practice? Probably a lot. I don't think I make very serious work in my eyes, but I think other people could probably tune into whatever they're seeing in it. So like, um, for me, an image of like a flattened cone on the ground, I think it's funny, but then someone else might question like, oh, well, what was around that area? Did someone, was there a car accident or, um, why is that cone there? It does that kind of littering kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just like a funny moment. (laughs) That's I always bring this up with photography, but like it makes me think though some of the work you're making, once it's been sort of messed with, it goes undergoes this kind of process. Like some of the banners, the banners to me feel like an experience that isn't referencing a past tense experience. It's like that's the that's that's the cone run over experience for the viewer in the gallery. Meaning, it's not like I'm coming to a photograph with a run over cone and then we're thinking about what might have happened as much as we're just having the direct experience. And that's, I think, one of the strengths of the show, for me, is how, how we're moving between those points. There are things that, if you're willing, you can think about everything else outside of the frame of that shot. Um, but then with, in the midst of the, the, the sort of the banner-like pieces and some of the staged pieces, like they all start pushing on each other and they contextualize each other. And so to me, for me, in my experience with the work, um, some of those sort of like more um, sort of street still life moments um, have greater potential to be read directly as, a, as, as the moment and less of a past tense moment that I wasn't privy to by, by being in proximity to the other works in the room. And so that's one thing that for me that I thought was potent about the show, uh, the current show. Yeah, I think there's something about the the direct experience you can have with your pieces that um, pushes us away from the thing. We have a tendency, I think, to discount photography because yeah. we view it as a as a snapshot of a narrative, right? And and in that way, like I really appreciate you saying that you weren't you weren't really interested in narrative within your uh, your images, which is I think what moves them closer towards the space of things like painting or printmaking because you are creating an experience that can be had with the viewer. Mm-hmm even if you are collecting that from the real world. Um, but it pushes against narrative. And I think that can make people feel very uncomfortable because we like to slouch back into, Oh, a photo is just, you know, it's just a collection of a, a thing that just happened. Yeah. Um, and it, but it, I think it can make us uncomfortable because it forces us to look at it in a different light mm-hmm. and to see it, um, you know, in, in a much, a way that we maybe are not as comfortable with because we can't push it aside so quickly. We can't just say, I've seen it. I know what it is. I understand the whole situation. Let's move on. Instead, you, it has to be actually experienced, um, which is why I love, I think, the banners maybe mm. the most because they further require some sort of um, breaking down or understanding the experience uh, in a different way that creates some pause, that creates some quiet, uh, at least for me, mm-hmm. when I see those. Yeah, because they're specific. They're not... They're very specific, so they play on our recognition of, of specificity itself. And so because we understand specificity, that is loaded with assumptions, but then those assumptions don't import directly 
Mm-hmm. So you have to then sit. And that's that I, you know, I think that that's the interesting interplay of, of, of the, um, the work, but then you can't dislodge that work from the other lines of work or even what you're saying. Like I just go back to even like you talking about a Flickr account as the storage. And I, and I'm thinking about that in the way, like, I don't, it's like the way that I, ha- I have a hoarder collector propensity and my grandparents definitely did. And so, you know, there's like things you can know about someone just by opening up the, the closet or the shed. Yeah. And it's just in the accumulation of the particular things visually. You're just like, it's like import data. Like you just mm. upload it and then it, it completely informs the work that they make. And so like, if you saw some of the things that I, I collect or that I, if I wasn't married would hoard, it would say it would give yeah. you so much clarity on like why I make things the way I do mm-hmm. and like why I make certain decisions. You know, it's so weird. I don't fully understand it. You know, it's a strange thing, but when it's I, there. And I think that's why I also um I also love the fact that you said that like there is a default language to your images and you translate them into other languages almost. Like it's it's a it's a fantastic way of understanding that, right? Which I think is is kind of in that interpersonal space you're talking about, Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you have a reason for uh, the things you collect or the things that you like or the things that appeal to you. And that is not always going to resonate with someone else, but where the connections with other people, with images, with artwork, wherever, where those really come in or when that gets translated into a shared vernacular mm-hmm. that then becomes an experience of itself. Yeah. So there's so many, yeah, there's so many things going on. That's the generative part in a way. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cause I think, um, I don't know. Uh, I think every, uh, really good uh, creative practitioner on some level has a little twinge of a hoarder mentality to them, <laughs> at least in certain things. Yeah. Right. Like they may say, no, no, I don't. It's like, it just well, may have more order to it. You know what I mean? Like, like some people are more ordered about their hoard, their, the way they hoard stuff. Yeah. I'm neat and I want to be a minimalist, but also I want to collect everything that I can. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the that's a great way. I, Without I, having to see it necessarily, because like I don't like I don't like having things in my room in spots where they're not supposed to be, kind of right, thing. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole point. That's why I said like when you said the Flickr account, but you don't really look at it. You're like, that's the space where stuff is that no one sees, but you know it's there. Yeah, they're album by by season and year, so that I can find them later if I want to go back and like mm-hmm. make a post of like something that was taken years ago. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Is your so one, one, maybe one last question that I have for you is: Is your uh, if someone says, "Hey, I want to buy one of your pieces," I mean, when when is that a proper reaction to your work? Like, because it's it feels like as much as the work is material there, materially there. In some ways, also, it's very ephemeral. You know, and it lives in that space. It lives in an in between space for me a little bit. And so, um, you know, if I say, "Hey, I want this." I want to live with this forever. What's your take on that? How do you, how does that strike you? I'm still not used to selling work. So I'd probably ask, okay, well, how do you want the piece? Cause like I'm doing digital photography. Do you mm-hmm. want a paper print? Do you want a banner? Do you want a shirt? Yeah. Or like a postcard even, or there's just so, so many different outputs, yeah. which is something I like about being able to reproduce your pieces. But there's also like, Okay, well, that was mine, but if I'm going to give it to you, it's yeah. kind of a different thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I just feel like I could just imagine that being precisely the dilemma that you described. 
It's like, how do I want to give them, give the person that thing? Because like the album out there is all prints that I took, I printed for myself. So I'd probably be able to like make a version of that for someone else. Or sometimes I even like take them out to like give us gifts. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I have a gift for this person. Let me pull up, pull out a print. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, so just to push that point further. So if somebody was actually interested in finding your work, where would where would they find you? Where would what they do you go? have? Flickr. Well, they <laughs> have to excavate Flickr. It's private. Because <laughs> right. when I when I'm using Flickr, I'm taking the photo, putting it on the Flickr account for storage, and then I'm cropping them afterward because I like having the original in case I want to go back and zoom in on a different area of a photo or something sure. like that. Because. Mm-hmm. If I, if I haven't taken pictures in a while, I definitely go back and be like, is there anything I can salvage in this one that I've already looked at a lot? <laughs> so where else can people find you then? Where, where can they follow the work that you're doing, see what you're up to next? Well, I really like my website. It's amipalm.com, A-M-I-P-A-L-M.com. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Amina, but Ami is like a family nickname kind of thing. But it's always really funny because more distant family who doesn't hear from me often because I'm not very, like, talkative. Um, they don't really know how to say my name or spell it, even if it's in the same Facebook post they just commented on. So that's always very interesting. Put distant family on blast <laughs> right now. Shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired. I'm gonna... Family, friends, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not taking offense to you not knowing how to spell my name. I understand that. But uh, <laughs> it's always, My last name has it's been always butchered like, my whole life. I kind of get it. It's always, yeah. it's always really funny. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, the website's linked to everything else. Decode Gallery also has a website. So it's like the word decode, but missing that first E. So D-C-O-D-E, mm-hmm. gallery.com. Got that URL, thankfully. Uh, they up the Sorry, <laughs> the gallery also has a website, which is the same name. Um, my Instagram is Dolly Ami, like the Dalai Lama, but A-M-I at the end. Mm-hmm. Came up with it in like ninth grade. After being like Ami Fox for some reason, or I had a ton of like Tumblr URLs. My favorite was computer, yeah. <laughs> like compu, like pew pew tour. Yeah. And then I also had like Phenomena, which mm-hmm. was a really fun one. <laughs> so good. I think I used some as like um, documentary sites for like AFO projects. That's amazing. So I was like, okay, we need a blog for you this. You probably used one for in. my drawing class, yeah. I think. I, yeah. I only deleted Tumblr like last year. So. <laughs> I had like 20 saved URLs of just like word puns. <laughs> Fantastic. So what you're saying is they can find you on like half the internet. Yes. yes. <laughs> I have two pages of Google. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and uh, so so what are your what are your next plans? Any big projects in the in the mix that... Do you want to you share anything cooking? about yeah. anything you got cooking, anything you're doing next? Um, well, I've been drawing a lot, so that could be a project. Because mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been talking to my friends a lot. I'm like, oh, you, what are you guys working on? And then they'll mention something that's like fully fleshed out. And I'm like, oh, I don't think like that. But uh, I'm working on something right now. Could could turn into something I else. would love for you to come talk to my drawing class at the end of the semester and, and say, I'm drawing, but let mm-hmm. him see what you're drawing mm-hmm. and how it's not what we're doing in class right now, but how it's drawing. I'm just making to make, and then yeah. I do pull back on that class a lot because I, when, in that class, I learned how to draw with value, yeah. and then that helped me a lot because I, I now, I can't draw with lines. <laughs> it doesn't look right. <laughs> I'm like, that's not it. That's not what I wanted. What is that? What came right. out of what just came out of that pencil? 
but like um it's like even doodles and like notes for art history classes or something i would try to draw it draw it with lines and i'm like oh i don't like that i'm gonna cover that up uh-huh. <laughs> only use the words <laughs> <laughs> and then now just drawing in like layers is, is a lot of fun and just like figuring out a new way to uh to see because like i was at the at the vmfa earlier looking at the photorealist section and like the pop art section being like oh i can i can kind of see how they did that now because mm. like that must have taken forever mm-hmm. one and then also like just thinking about like okay well they did those base layers that i've seen people do like my painter friends <laughs> it's like base layers and then like 20 layers of detail yeah. <laughs> on top of that yeah 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 that's good. I mean, I, I I'm I'm like interested. I definitely think your your trajectory is um, probably like probably gonna land somewhere that we we would will be both surprised and not surprised by. Like yeah. it'll be yeah. different than what just the way you're accumulating. I'll be coding images. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I think I think you're I think you're setting yourself up to be in a really like really interesting zone. Like yes. The next ten years, ten years from now, I want to. I I think it's. 10 years from now, especially, I would love to see. Post-grad school, a couple mm-hmm. years in, it's going to be really interesting. It is. It is. I mean, because you do phenomenal work now, there's yep. a conscientiousness about what you do and, so a, and an attention to detail that uh, will only continue to serve you. So if you have not seen Omna's work, um, you can come see it at Shock Arts Base Studios for a, uh, a little bit more. Um, come on down, let us know. Uh, hit us up. We'll, we'll come let you in the space and let you see it. It's uh, amazing work uh, that uh, really is worth uh, some time to sit with it and just uh, kind of parse everything that she puts into it. Um, so I'm going to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's always fantastic to talk to you. Um, and like we like to say every time, we love you guys. You're a fantastic audience, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space, we are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.